Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Well, that's good. Uh, hello to everybody here in Dover and to everybody joining us in Milton and in, uh, in Plymouth and everybody joining us online. It's going to be a good morning today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about my, my, uh, my greatest accomplishments in life. So I have ridden uh, six of the top 10 tallest roller coasters in the United States. And uh, not to brag or anything, but, uh, but I could pro- if I wanted to, I could probably, you know, just drive down to New Jersey one day, just take a personal day, drive down to New Jersey and uh, knock a couple others off. And, uh, you know, I know you don't care about that, but, but listen, I've also had the unfortunate privilege of riding three of the lowest rated roller coasters in the United States. One of those you can ride because it is at Six Flags New England. It is the Mind Eraser, and uh, it is not a good experience. It is, it is um, yeah, it is rated top five worst roller coasters um, in the United States. Now, awesome. And maybe you've done this, maybe you never knew this. I've also rated, in my opinion, in my opinion, the worst roller coaster in the United States. And probably some of you have as well, because it's over in Salem, New Hampshire, at Canopy Lake Park, the Canopy Corkscrew. If you agree with me, will you put your hands together for the worst roller coaster in the United States? Let me ask you this question. How can something that's supposed to be fun be so bad? I remember when I was a kid and it was like, whoa, upside down roller coaster coming to Canopy Lake. And, I, and we go, and I don't know if it's like 1989, 1990, and you ride the roller coaster and it was like... Well, that was a waste. <laughs> How can something that is supposed to be fun be so bad? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's sermon about sex. <laughs> How can something that's designed to be so fun end up being so bad? If you've got kids in the room, you're like, oh my word, I should have checked him in the kids' church. Uh, hopefully the kid has learned their lesson, like, oh my word, I should have gone to kids' church. Let me just, as before we move into the message this morning, you're trying to figure out, do we go check them in now or not? Today's message is rated PG, but it's more like 1980s PG, all right? So, so you just let that, if you let your kids watch the Goonies or E.T., then uh, there's some language in there and, uh, and some words used that maybe you you're uncomfortable with, but you still let your kids watch it. That's probably about this morning's message. Second service, probably every one of my kids will be in the room um, from 13. I got a 12-year-old in the room now, and then our nine and eight-year-old, depending on how Nerf Sunday goes, uh, you know, whether or not they're following the rules will be dependent on whether or not they are in the message, listening to the message, second service here in Dover, and I won't change anything with them in the room, all right? And uh, even 
probably my mom and mother-in-law are watching online, and I'm not gonna change anything because they're watching online. It's up to them whether or not they want to click out of the stream or not. So listen, let's talk about this. We're, this morning's message that we're talking about is pitfalls. So pitfalls in marital, in marital intimacy. God designed sex, and that's, that's a new revelation for some people. But God designed it to be mutually. That means equally for both of you. Mutually fun, enjoyable, pleasurable, life-giving, mind-blowing, thrill ride. Mutually. And I know that there's probably some people who are like, son... It ain't that way for me. That's why I'm preaching God's word to you this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What we're about to read are some of the most specific, helpful scriptures about sex within marriage that are found in scripture, but also... These are some of the most misunderstood and unfortunately misused scriptures in the Bible about sex. So they're helpful, they're practical, they set up kind of great guidelines and great encouragement, but also they end up over the years they've been misused, they've been misunderstood, they've been even weaponized, and they've caused division within marriage, they've caused... uh, um, Um, heartache within marriage and they've caused one partner or both and I would say both because if one partner is missing out you're both missing out missing out on the thrill ride that God has designed if you're in the room and you're unmarried or you're a teenager I want you to hear I I just what you know what I want you to hear more than anything um Living God's, living God's will is the way to live. God doesn't hold out anything on us. God's not holding back. And so when you've got friend, you're a young adult, you're 20, you're the only one trying to follow God's will from your group of friends and you feel like you're missing out, don't believe those lies. Don't believe that. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter seven. Let's start reading here at verse number one. Paul's writing to a church, and he says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, interesting, I wonder what letter they wrote to Paul. I wish we could get a, a copy of that. He says, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, And each woman should have her own husband. And again, let's kind of stop right there and just point out like how maybe you've missed this your whole life. Again, this is mutually beneficial, mutually enjoyable, mutually helpful for both genders within the marriage. For both of you. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Stop right there. (sighs) 
you don't hear that talked about very often. Only the second part of that verse is spoken about and written about the majority of the time. This, this maybe is your first area of repentance. It says the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Verse number five, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. This almost, um, at the beginning of the year when we had prayer and fasting and weeks of abstinence, this almost made it in there. But I figure we'll wait until after this morning's message. He says, afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That is another scripture that is misused. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So this next line, verse number seven, it is, uh, this, he's not, he, he is stating his opinion here and his advice. He's not giving a word of the Lord. He says, I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Lastly, verse number eight, I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust or to burn with passion. And uh, having passion is not a bad thing. All right, now let's talk about this. What are, what, what this scripture is trying to do and what Paul's intention here is to set up some framework and some guidelines to enter what God has designed to be great blessing, great opportunity, and a source of great joy for husband and wife. What he's not doing is putting on a bunch of rules to take away the great blessing and the great joy and the great opportunity for intimacy in your marriage, for warmth in your marriage, for enjoyment in your marriage. He's not taking away those things. What are some of the pitfalls? We're gonna look at these scriptures and see how a scripture has been misused to create a pitfall or maybe how you've maybe wrongly interpreted or wrongly been taught a scripture and it's caused you to bring a behavior into your marriage that is detracting and keeping away from you enjoying the marriage as God designed. Number one, pitfall number one, this is to demand. To demand sex within your marriage is a pitfall. And the scripture in verse number four that can be misused is it says, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband and then they stop there. This is one that's typical of a husband using this half of the scripture to demand sex from his wife. This is your, this is your responsibility. Scripture says you're to give me authority. 
And this is a, a, a verse that is misused. The language becomes, you must, you will, you have to. And this is unbiblical language. This is not what the, the scripture is saying. And anytime you take one sentence in the scripture and you break it in half for your benefit, you are in dangerous territory because husbands, what's the second half of this verse? The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. It means you can't demand anything and honestly it means she can't demand any, anything. What you do is offer yourselves to each other. And that is a completely different way of approaching sex within marriage. There's a, a in, the, in the book of Song of Solomon, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, Song of Solomon is a, is a book that is talking about sex very, very deliberately. Um, it's a poem, and it's talking about two lovers enjoying each other. And that's a surprising thing for many people to understand that that's in the Bible. But three different times in Song of Solomon, this scripture or, or this um, is said in the scripture. It says, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. This is a scripture that you hear a lot when you're dating and you can't keep your hands off of each other. And you quote this at each other. People are quoting this to you. You're walking out the door on your date. Your mother will say this to you or your father will say this to you. Hey, remember. Don't stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And someone's dad is a yogi bear. <laughs> and there, we would, we would almost use this as a, the scripture as a key to purity. And I think there's some wisdom in there, but I think also that it's looking at a scripture from only one direction. In this scripture, in this saying, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases, is there a way that that can be uh, applied within our marriage? And I think not only does this help us to understand purity, but I, but I think also this helps us to understand passion. Instead of demanding sex within marriage, a key would be not to stir up love until it pleases. Not to pursue something when there's not love that's been awakened. Not to demand something, but instead to create an atmosphere where love is created, where arousal is awakened, and then now, there's, there is something that is mutually beneficial. Here's the second, um, the second pitfall. This is the pitfall of duty. In verse number three, it says, the husband should fulfill 
his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. And again, this is a scripture that tends to be cut in half and it's only looked at from one side. So if you've ever been, if you've ever felt, I need to have sex with my spouse because it's my duty, that's a pitfall and hopefully one that we can free you one from right now. It's not a duty. It is not your duty. If you ever go to Canopy Lake and you pay that money, you pay that price for the ticket, and if you go there for a full day, Canopy Lake's a great park, it's clean, it's got fun rides, it's a good experience, but... Um, but there's not enough rides for the price of the ticket. So if you're there all day and it's not crowded, I mean, you can ride every ride three, four, five times. And, um, and, and so that's kind of one of the things that makes that park great. But in that day, you're, you, you kind of feel like, you know, I don't really want to ride the Canopy Corkscrew. But I paid the ticket I should at least ride it one time. Listen, are, is, there, is there enjoyment riding the Kennedy Corkscrew? No. Do you want to? No. Why do you do it? You just feel like you have to. This is the wrong thought to bring into your marital relationship. Sometimes people are taught, and maybe you've been taught, or maybe you've read or maybe just someone who had a wrong understanding about marital intimacy taught you wrong. And the thought is, if your spouse wants it, you better do it or else. What are some of the or else's? You better or they'll find someone else to do it with. You better or they'll, become, or they'll pursue pornography. You better or, and so you're not participating because you want to, you're participating because you feel you have to, and, and that's a pitfall. That's a danger. That's a mistake. That's a missed opportunity. In the book of Song of Songs, I want to read you a portion of scripture, but this is written from the beloved. This is the female writing, and this is her expressing her feelings uh, for, her, for, her, uh, for her lover, her expressing her participation in the relationship. And I just want you to read, if in this expression of marital intimacy, if if there's a suggestion of duty. Song of, Song, Song of Solomon, chapter four, verses 15 and 16. She writes, you are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. 
If you think that's talking about what you think it's talking about, you're right. All right, we'll keep this 1980s PG here. That is what it's talking about. And here is someone saying, I'm not participating in this because I have to or I'm trying to keep you around. I have things I want to enjoy and I'm inviting you to participate in that with me. When you participate out of duty, you're missing what God has designed it to be. Honestly, you're missing out on all the fun. Third pitfall here is to deny. And, um, you know, what is there to say here? Verse number, number, verse number five, do not deprive each other of sexual relations um, unless you both agree to. And there are seasons that you have to. Seasons of of pregnancy, seasons post-birth, seasons of sickness, seasons of, uh, of trauma, seasons of hurt. There are seasons that you have to, and when you both agree to, um, you should be respectful of each other during those seasons. Those seasons shouldn't last indefinitely. And the, the challenge becomes in a marriage when one uh, one spouse is like just Heisman trophying the other spouse and just stiff arming them and not allowing there to be a sexual expression in the marriage. What happens here, the pitfall here is using sex as a weapon, using it um, to hurt the other person, using it to, uh, to uh, keep distance between the other person. And there are certainly reasons why you may need to. And even if you're seeing a counselor, why the, why the counselor would speak to you and say, you don't have, a, you don't have a, a right right now to your spouse because of what you've done and how you've acted. But denying each other, I mean, that is a pitfall. And that causes you to use something as a weapon, which is not supposed to be that. It was supposed to be something that God designed to keep you close, to keep your relationship bonded. Galatians chapter five, verse number 13 says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So you have absolutely the freedom to say no to your spouse every single time. You have that freedom. Your spouse doesn't have the right to demand it, to threaten you, to rape you. They don't have that right. But there's an invitation here for something greater. To in that freedom, to serve one another in love, to in that freedom, again, and that's not out of duty or obligation or, or even to protect your marriage. It's an invitation for 
the intimacy and the joy and the pleasure that's mutual for both of you. I'm gonna invite the band, um, or at least uh, the instrumentalists to, to come forward. We've got one more, uh, one more pitfall here, and that is to devolve sex. You can demand it, it would be a mistake. You can do it out of duty, that would be a mistake. You can deny each other, that would be a mistake. But then the other thing is to devolve it into something that it's not meant to be. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Then it's a warning here, God will surely judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. They don't really like this verse. But there's a warning here about misusing something that God has designed. You can misuse it, not even, you can misuse it within marriage, you can misuse it by participating it outside of marriage, but misusing it through pornography, through multiple partners, um, many, many options to misuse it. Be a pitfall to devolve it into something different than what God designed it to be. Think about those roller coasters again. You're on a roller coaster that's over 300 feet tall, going nearly 100 miles an hour. The designer of the seatbelt created the seatbelts and the shoulder restraints and the braking system. Not to take away from the fun, but designed it that way so that you could enjoy the ride and not have the injury or the heartbreak or the death that would happen from saying, I don't need the seatbelt. It's kind of old fashioned. I don't need the restraints, I'm fine, I know what I'm doing. And to ride it in a different way would bring some consequences. And ultimately you would have been at the end of that ride. And even if you're able to do it 10, 15 times, to ride that ride without the seatbelts or the restraints, the way the designer had would, would, would lead to death. And at the end of it, you may have, you get to the end of that ride and there'll be some regret. I just wish I listened. For many people on the, on the end of that ride, as you've chased sex outside of marriage, as you've had multiple partners and kind of now here you are in the end of it saying, really the only thing I've gotten from that was heartbreak and pain. I wish I would have done it like God designed. I want you to know God doesn't hate you. God will forgive you. God will restore you. And you don't have to live out a life of regret. There's restoration for you. 
But also I want you to know that you're, you're being challenged right now. You want to, everybody's telling you that it's fine to, to participate in this roller coaster without the seat belts and the shoulder harnesses. And it's old fashioned to wear that. It's old fashioned to listen to God. It's old fashioned to, to run it out God's way. I, mean, I don't need you to trust me, but I tell you to trust God, the designer. And to say, okay, I may not like it. Shoulder straps are uncomfortable. I'm probably too heavy to be on this roller coaster anyway, like, but I'm gonna wear the seatbelt. I'll wear the restraints. And to just trust God that way, to wait until you're married to have sex for the first time, to have one sexual partner in your lifetime or in the lifetime of your marriage, to not pursue pornography or or, or, or partners or, or just even a sexual culture of having uh, multiple partners or inviting people into the marriage or trying to find things to, 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 to heat the marriage up, not searching for anything outside of your spouse. And, and honestly, even inviting God into that, God bring healing in our marriage bring understanding to our marriage, bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit into our marriage, bring passion into our marriage, bring desire into our marriage, bring wholeness into our marriage, bring pleasure into our marriage, bring joy into our marriage. And praying that together and pursuing that together. And when the ride ends, for it to have been so enjoyable for the two of you to look at each other and say, want to ride it again? Praise the Lord. We close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much. I think it's, I think it's hard for us to understand why you created us like this and you created it, created sex like this. Hard for us to even understand why you've put some of the, the safety harnesses and the boundaries on it that you have. We don't, we're not gonna be able to understand all of that, but one thing we're gonna do is we're gonna just trust you in every area, in every area of our life. Say, all right, you made it, God. We're gonna, we're gonna follow you, find out what you want. I pray for the marriages in here who have been stuck in one of these pitfalls. Maybe one spouse is demanding it. Maybe one spouse is only participating out of duty. Maybe there, maybe one spouse is denying it and one spouse is hurt and frustrated and broken because the other spouse won't participate. Maybe their relationship is devolved as they, um, maybe someone's got a secret affair or maybe they're even encouraging the other spouse um, to, to, to find other ways and other avenues. God, I just, I just pray against these pitfalls in Jesus' name. I know some couples are so, so broken, it feels like there could never be joy in this area again. There's physical problems and emotional problems and just so much baggage in the relationship. It seems like they could never get there, but I pray they won't 
They won't give up, not just pursuing, not pursuing a physical encounter, but pursuing wholeness in their marriage and healing in their marriage. God, sex is not even the greatest thing inside of a marriage, but it's one of the, one of the, the, one of the joys that you've put within it. And I just pray over every marriage, over every couple, healing, wholeness, and joy. And I pray for every single person. I pray for those who are, who, um, who are dating and having sex. I pray that they'd be honest with each other to have that conversation and say, what would it look like for us to honor God and trust God in this area of our relationship? Maybe it means people are moving out of apartments. Maybe it means people are going on double dates, but they're just gonna bring and, and honor you in this part of their life and pursue, uh, uh, pursue um, and, and trust you with this part of their life. And I just pray for those who, who just are feeling the temptation to pursue sex the way culture does. And I just pray they trust you. They'd keep on this path of honoring you and trusting you. They wouldn't jump off that path. And God, they will wait until marriage. They will trust you with that. And then within marriage, they will learn and grow and God, and it will, and their love and their, their intimacy will blossom into something beautiful designed it to be. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.